You're listening to Your Rivers Are Wrong, the podcast. Hey, Merlo, if I say going Dutch, what does that mean to you? <laughs> That's like a payment thing, no? Yeah. Splitting costs? Yeah. I mean, yes, we do that all the time. <laughs> is that a term used? Is that a term used in Holland? Because no, it's just splitting the it's cost. Not? <laughs> because I, I have to say, there's no such thing as like going American. What if you if going American is like? I'm sure means something terrible. No, but this is like an old school thing, right? Like if you go to uh, like a Roman country, I don't know Italy or something, they hate it when you do this because the whole idea of like being a gentleman or being like a man in general is paying for somebody else's stuff. <laughs> so going Dutch is not a thing, and we don't care because we because we're like greedy <laughs> like that. Unfortunately, the stereotype is true. <laughs> so, I mean. <laughs> And also, we talked about the tipping thing, right? I mean, I also don't necessarily usually don't tip because they're not like dependent on tips at all. Fair. And yeah. I just well, forget it exists. So I'm always going to be the rude person in <laughs> anywhere else but here because I just forget that it exists. Well, tipping is a thing in America because people who work in hospitality don't get paid enough. Yeah, like the wages suck or something. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they don't get paid enough. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, hey, welcome, everyone. Welcome to the podcast. I didn't see you there. Hi, this is the Your Rivers Are Wrong podcast. Oh good morning, <laughs> good evening, good or afternoon, <laughs> whenever you may be. Welcome back to our um, world building and storytelling podcast, where we talk about the wonderful whimsies of world building, the arts and aesthetics of setting up a setting and telling stories born from it. My name is Dante, and I'm one of your hosts for today. And I'm the other host, and my name is Marilyn. And I just wanted to try cold open just this one time, <laughs> just this one time. You know, changing it up. Yeah. Switching gears here. It's, it's, I'm all for it, you know. And I've been thinking about that question all week. And I wanted to ask you earlier in the week, but I thought it'd be way funnier if I just asked you on podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I love how that's part of the podcast now that I just say, wow, all Dutch people are greedy because it's true. <laughs> I'm sorry. It does, no, it makes sense. It makes sense. I it's mean, a, I mean, who am I kidding? Yeah. I, I have my opinions on the dance of, oh, I'll pay for it. No, I'll pay for it. No, well, but I insist. Please share the I'll opinions then. Like, please elaborate. I'm not a fan. I feel like splitting it should be the default. Uh. I feel like that should, that's just manners to offer. Because usually in, in an American guy girl date, it's like the guy has to offer to pay. That's just, that's just how it is. And then the yeah. girl has to like politely refuse. And then the guy has to be like, okay, we can split it and, or, or insist more. And it's like this little dance and we both, everybody knows that the dance doesn't have to happen, that we could just split it normally. But manners indicate we should. Yeah. But manners. Those goddamn manners. <laughs> I hate manners. Who likes them anyway? <laughs> manners. Who needs them? Anyway, <laughs> let's get caught up on what the heck we've been up to this past week before we jump into what we usually deal with, which is a topic related to world building and storytelling brought to the table by one of us, the transatlantic table that we have because we live six hours apart. Mm-hmm. So we're talking across the ocean over our uh, fancy tin cans and wire uh, <laughs> that we use to record this nice. podcast, <laughs> extending all the way across the full <laughs> six, eight hours. Amazing. Um, we're so off the rails. <laughs> we barely started. I don't know what you're talking about. But, you know, I like it. Let's spice it up. Uh, this is great. This is how we always... How's yeah. your week been? How's your week been? <laughs> Despite what this might sound like, my week's been amazingly steady and like in a good rhythm, which is great. Wonderful. I slept early. I <laughs> cooked well for myself, which is all like nice adult things to do for yourself. It's good self-care stuff. And also I'm cat sitting for my neighbor and good friend and she has cats and like 
a large living room that I love and a TV that I can use. <laughs> All of which I don't possess in my usual day-to-day life. So it's All great. All great thing. Yeah. What more can you ask for? It's great for, you know, freelancing. It's great for just being in a kitchen that you don't have to share with other people. It's great. It's a good stuff. <laughs> good vibes all around. Oh, that's so good. How about you? I'm doing. I'm doing well. Uh, on a comment on that, the the first meme ever made about our podcast was somebody on Twitter who I oh, don't know yeah. if you know them. I don't know if you know them. I didn't recognize. I think. Got it. It's someone who comments that we don't sleep well or we have bad sleeping <laughs> habits, and I'm like, I have no idea what, where you're coming from. What episode you just watched? Fake news. <laughs> but clearly, we say this too much. Yes. Clearly we say this too much. It's true. So here, here's me turning over the, the newest leaf. <laughs> Hear me out. There will never be more fan art about our terrible sleeping tips, even though it's probably true. <laughs> I'm, I'm improving. <laughs> Looking upward. This is a new beginning to me. <laughs> oh, no. You don't know what we're like when we're well rested. Totally different people. <laughs> Apparently much more chaotic. Huge tonal shift. Well, listen, I just woke up. Um... <laughs> <laughs> consequence of the time yeah. zones yeah, as we okay. talk about every episode <laughs> it's just barely 6 a.m where i'm at it's noon where Marla's at and that works out because you know scheduling and stuff this is the best time for both of us yep somehow this works <laughs> <laughs> somehow it works for my week which was very exciting my sister won lottery tickets to broadway oh, she's big on entering yeah, the lotteries cool. to get like tickets to shows that uh have like reserve like a couple of seats on the side or in inconvenient spots to buy at a discount. So this is an American thing, right? I've heard of this from like Hamilton, but I don't really know mm. what the deal is or how it works. Do you just like give your email address and enter a, like a sort of pool? Yeah, exactly that. There's a website specifically for certain shows where they say they have like 200 seats and 20 of them are not in the best spots. They'll put those up for lottery. Mm. You enter your name in at like 10 a.m. And by 2 p.m. you'll know if you won or not. Oh. It'll just pick a name from the hat. Basically. That's fun. And then you have like one hour to like be like, yes, I'm going. And then you get the tickets and you're going that night. So I love that. That's great. She's won a great number of Broadway tickets. She's won Hamilton, which oh, is like the prize, the prize ticket. Oh, that's cool. <laughs> that's great. I mean, yeah. There's a, there's a point where she's like, should I try to enter this one again? I've already watched this one. And it's just like. That's such a luxury problem. I hate that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, good for her, but I hate it. <laughs> But uh, I got to watch the Broadway show Six, which was wonderful. It was so, so good. It was like a pop reimagining of the Six Wives of King Henry. Ah. Uh, And it was so, so fun because they were all so, so talented. I think I saw a Tiny Desk performance about this. I think they were on Tiny Desk. And then I was like, wow, this is great. And I literally forgot about it. Yeah, there was so much energy. But yeah, that was my big thing for the week. Fun. Very nice. In these situations, um, I might be, I don't. We can't plan for these. So <laughs> basically, my sister, younger sister and I will be working on something and we'll just get a random text from my sister and be like, hey, I want tickets. Do you want to go? Uh, first one to say yes goes. <laughs> <laughs> Three, two, one, go. Yeah. So whoever's free, we say yes. Yeah, we yeah. pay a little bit for the ticket and we go. And it's very fun. It's a nice setting. That was my big highlight. Amazing. Oh, also, I have to say this because um, people in the TTRPG sphere will understand this. I got to live stream last night with Jay Dragon, who is one of the writers and creators of uh, Yuzeba's Bed and Breakfast, a new, not a new, I guess, because it released last uh, this year, hmm. a new TTRPG. And we were talking about like where we learned, uh, what the, the inspirations of our learnings of how to game design. And he, he very casually said, so yeah, a while ago I was talking to Brandon and figuring out what should I do about this game? And I'm like, oh, 
just casually name drop yeah. the Brennan Lee Mulligan wow, as just Brennan. Yeah, no big deal. I'm sorry. <laughs> I didn't realize it was <laughs> like in the presence of a celebrity. The other side. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah, I uh, fully dissociated. I'm like, I can't believe you can do that. Yeah. But apparently they know each other through like the camps that they've went to, through oh, LARPing so and improv and all that. And it's wonderful. So did you secure like a Brennan Lee Mulligan interview? This is where no, this is leading, I obviously, would. no? Put in a good word. Who knows? One day. Not I mean, today, not tomorrow, isn't this a thing this where month. you where you can like reach anyone in six steps? This is like one step. Oh, dude. the six degrees. <laughs> like, there's so much potential here. <laughs> six degrees of separation. Yeah. Yeah. I'll, I'll work. I'll work on it. I'll work on it. I'll get there. This is, this is the long term goal. Listen, I got <laughs> of the 99 TTRPGs I've pledged myself to cover. I'm on 13. So I have 86 you more got tries. Some time. Yeah, yeah, that's true. That's true. This is like a long term plan. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I can visualize this. Yeah, I see the vision. I see the vision. Anyway, anything else before we jump into this episode? <laughs> nope. Okay, wonderful. This was going to very loosely tangentially tie into... Um, <laughs> I was going to make going Dutch like a whole thing that leads into the topic, but it doesn't work. It doesn't really work. Um, so I'm just going to go into the topic and we'll go for it. I can't believe that part was planned. <laughs> you tell us that was I planned it chaos. five days ago and I've been holding on to it for five days. Trying to do the exact <laughs> you know, that's dedication. I'll Behind give you the that. scenes. This is not a spontaneous podcast. Every word is planned. Let it be known. I, I don't improvise anything. <laughs> nope. You heard it here first. <laughs> mm-hmm. mm-hmm. This is the most practical way to do podcasts, to make sure every single word is outlined and drafted and rewritten and revised. That's the most efficient and fast way. Yes. Professionals work. Professionals work. Obviously. Um, Anyway, this is the topic for today. Again, I bring the topic to the table. Marilla doesn't know what it is. I have my notes on it. She's going off the cuff. This is just kind of how it works. And we alter it every episode. So today, today. We're going to talk about something that we kind of touched on in a couple episodes. You have seen the episode Villains. You've seen the episode Lancers. Seen. Today we're going to talk. <laughs> Today we're going to talk about foils. We're going to talk about foils between characters. What is a foil? How to utilize a foil? And perhaps how to play a foil? You're familiar with this term, I'm sure. What does this word mean to you? Before I jump into this, I feel like it's either that I'm not a native English person or that I just have a very vague, confusing understanding of this word, but I don't really know what it means. It's either something like beef, beef between <laughs> characters, or it's just like a relationship. I'm not sure if I'm in the, in the right corner here. That's, I mean, those could both be, those are both aspects of foils, which is wonderful. Okay, so please yeah. elaborate on this. So a foil, if I'm understanding the origins of this word correctly, a foil is quite literally like, aluminum foil or or some sort of um some sort of metal that you put on the side or under a diamond or gemstone to accent or highlight the beauty or the form of the gemstone itself so its goal is to make the gem look better or shine brighter in literature a foil is something put in direct contrast to a character to make that character's traits more vivid so Right. The most common character foils are, of course, villains or antagonists that are diametrically opposed to the main character's beliefs. By putting somebody on the other side of the table, you can highlight what makes your main character so unique. Right. Foils also exist as lancers, as we've talked about, the kind of second-in-command characters who have a different viewpoint on how to move forward. They can both be good guys and still have differing opinions. Very much Goku-Vegeta energy, where they both want to save the world, but one is much more lighthearted than the other and would take very different approaches if given the choice. So today, 
I wanted to highlight exactly that. I kind of just summarize what foils are, but I do. <laughs> there's a bit more to dwell on, I suppose. I mean, it helps. Yeah, this is great. Specifically, I want to talk about today what it takes to be a foil or play a foil. And how can you do that in a more active sense rather than in a novel type, already written down, already predetermined sense? The active activity of adding contrast to character dynamics, I guess would be the full title of this of this episode. <laughs> yes. If it wasn't so long, like that's not nearly as catchy as just putting up foil and like leaving it. You know, there's an aesthetic art. There's an art to making titles for these things. And sometimes you got to summarize it in one word and sometimes more words sound better. Of course. Yes. Which is actually really interesting. I'm just going to talk about this for like 30 seconds. Yeah, I was going to say, make it an episode. The podcast episode titles are different on Spotify and our streaming platforms than on YouTube because YouTube doesn't like single word titles because they're just not interesting. There's a very heavy focus on making titles like clickbait or something clickable. So if you have a, a podcast episode, which is much more direct, it's like villains. You know, you can, we, sometimes our episodes are just number villains and, and, and mm-hmm. something else. But on uh, YouTube, the video is probably titled some sort of how to make your evil people yeah, yeah, yeah. even worse, you know? For <laughs> something, sure, for sure. Yeah. Something like that. It's basically that. a some sentence, sort of, yeah. Some sort of energy. Preferably without punctuation and you're good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Podcast titles do very badly on YouTube. Anyway, total tangent. Coming back. This came to mind very specifically because we just recently concluded a game where we each played one character in a two-character story. And a number of the prompts that we had to address in this game that would help define how our characters move forward or how we address the world, a lot of them made sure to put us on opposite sides of the table or made sure to say that, hey, you're going to make a decision and this is going to disagree with someone. How does this play out? And one of the biggest catalysts to character growth is making sure there's something to stand against, making sure that there is something to put in the backdrop of you that highlights what you are in opposition to that, if that makes any sense. A lot of characters, when put into a white room, will use their backstory, a backstory that highlights the person they used to be, what they've gone through, and that allows their current self, their current personality and decisions and ideals to shine through. But there's a very interesting way of framing two characters against each other as they're both dynamic forces and changing forces and giving them the opportunity to influence each other. That makes that dynamic so interesting and is what makes foil such a good literary tool because it puts their unique ideals against each other in a way that allows both of them to shine. So is this term specifically like a person or can it also be just, you know, context or a building or I don't know, a language? Of course, it could be any of those things. Okay, yeah. So it's not specifically... Not specifically for characters. In the world of characters, I guess. Okay. Yeah. Foils are often used just for architecture. You have a really small, dingy building next to a new, shining building. That's a foil. Yeah, right. But most often it's used for characters and such. As an example, and I guess I'll I'll ask you for examples of characters you feel are proper foils. The thing that comes to mind most notably is Batman and Superman. Batman and Superman are not enemies, but... They're not the closest of friends, so to speak. They kind of, they're just like coworkers mm-hmm. in many aspects. <laughs> yeah. um, but the way they see the world is very different. Superman is very bright and optimistic and hopeful about, about things. And Batman has the cynicism that he carries with him where everything has to be second guessed and thoroughly mm-hmm. checked and to make sure it could be trustworthy. And basically, whenever they work together, they always have different decisions on how they want to tackle a problem. 
They always have different approaches to it. And it's from their backstory, from how they grew up that forged their ideals. And the ability to show two directions a story could take and then ultimately choosing one or a mix of the two is what makes uh, watching both of them on the same screen so interesting. You never really know what you're going to get. Whereas if you have Superman and Superman 2, which is like exactly the same person, (laughs) that's not nearly as interesting. He's like, let's go beat this bad guy. Sure. How do you want to do it? Oh, fly in and beat them up? Yeah, sure. That's what I was thinking. Yeah. (laughs) You're so insane. That gets so tiring. That would get so tiring. Yeah, for sure. I immediately had to think of a bunch of cartoons. And I think it usually has to do with like, Two main characters that are super different from each other, but still sort of hanging out all the time. <laughs> like Gravity Falls, Dipper and Mabel. I don't know if you've seen it. It's really great. But basically sure, in yeah. that show, it's very much sibling energy. Mabel is so fundamentally different from Dipper. Dipper is basically like the rational voice constantly worried about his appearance and about if things are going <laughs> right and if no one's getting harmed and stuff. And Mabel is like a complete glitter bomb that's totally happy, but also increasingly <laughs> chaotic confusing to be around because she has no plan like ever right (laughs) but the combination of them and the fact that they just keep having adventures together is basically how we constantly see the different perspectives sometimes go right and sometimes go wrong and how they sort of bounce off each other right and Mm -hmm. i think that's very much what you're talking about too like the bouncing off each other i'm not sure if i remember this name but there's one manga series Mm -hmm. girl from the other side with like beautiful black and white ink drawings and it's basically a little girl that meets either a monster or some sort of representation of death and i don't think they can touch they become really best friends i found this through like art on pinterest where like a super kind of dangerous looking horned devil devilish monster is having like a picnic with a little girl and i found it the most beautiful it's basically on my best ghost buddies pinterest board (laughs) (laughs) and the whole point is when you have a relationship that you know that we keep following but they're fundamentally different in either the way they work or the place they come from or, you know, just in personality, then it's sparking, (laughs) lightning against each other. That's the best combination, I think. Yeah. I like how it's kind of like the mirror reflection is the um, analogy we're going with here. Because for a character to express their ideals in a way that's meaningful and impactful, there has to be somebody against it. There has to be a reason to say it, to to say it out loud what you stand for. And the best way to do that is just to put somebody on the other side and say, hey, you're wrong. This is how you do it. And you say, no, this is how you do it. Another example that I want to bring forth about foils, which emphasizes that foils aren't necessarily like just black and white. It could be red, yellow, blue, red, yellow, blue. Yeah. It could be red, yellow, blue, as in um, they could highlight different sides of the character and specifically put foils against each of those sides. The one I'm thinking of right now is Arcane, where Caitlin and Vi are very, right. very distinctly foils to each other, as in they had very different upbringings, different ways to tackle injustice and crime, and them realizing that because of their different backstories or their different upbringings, they have been molded by the city to look a certain way, to think a certain way, and to act a certain way. And it's only by meeting each other that they realize, hey, we can approach this in a different direction. Mm. Now, another foil in this is Vi against Jinx where it's both of them with technically the same backstory, but they just handled it in different ways. Vi was forced to become very tough, very rugged, very strong to kind of weather these kind of things. Whereas Jinx fell full force into the chaos of where they grew up, into the um, the deterioration and the decay that comes into one's mind when they're surrounded by these influences all the time. 
And if we put Vi in the center for a second, that is two different foils on two different sides of Vi where she has similarities to both of them, but these differences are what makes them so interesting. And so she's forced to decide which side she would like to take, what she favors more, and that changes her. The growth of the character is realizing that there's more than one way to handle life and the art of convincing the others of their side, of their direction, of their choices. That's foils at work. That's so, so... So, so interesting. And it, it adds such flavor to the story to put these very different people so close to each other. This is also what we talked about in the episode about, God, I forgot. But at some point we talked about side characters and how it's really nice when people have sort of one character trait with which you as the audience can identify with instead of mm. like a complex main character that has a bunch of traits or is a, literally a more complex character because we spend more time with them and blah, blah, blah. Right. But this is kind of similar to what you're saying, right? The question, I guess, that I have is, can you only have a complete black and white foil in a complicated relationship? Or can you also completely oppose someone in a smaller relationship? Because you're talking about villains or antagonists or, you know, other main characters like a sibling Mm -hmm. that's also constantly there. Do you need this amount of time to completely oppose someone? Or can you also do that in other ways? I mean, the whole point of a cast of characters, like a party, so to speak, of a five-man crew, where they all have their unique talents and dispositions, the whole point is that you can shine the light at so many different angles. Like, in the same way that the aluminum foil allows light to bounce into the diamond in a different direction, perhaps you need to have the angry character show their gentler side. Well, what character is perfect for that? Bring that character into frame, have them be, like, rough and tumble and angry, and force the the brutish character to teach them what it's like to handle anger. I remember there was there's a very funny episode of like the Avengers where everybody catches the the angry Hulk syndrome where they all turn big and green and they can't control their anger. Oh, interesting. And suddenly the Hulk has to be the voice of reason and be like, no, control your thoughts. <laughs> Keep them down. You know, that kind of thing. <laughs> Love that. That's great. If you think of like a cast like the Teen Titans, Robin learn something different from every character in that room. And each of those characters is necessary to teach him a certain lesson. Uh, In the same way, all of those characters are affected by everybody else. And it's like, a foil is not a mirror as much as it is like, ah, gosh, I don't even know the proper analogy for this. It's almost like a prism, like a diamond, as we're saying. It allows light to refract through a character in a different way to allow something else to shine through. All you need is the right light, the right source, the right impetus, so to speak. I don't know if that answers your question, but I feel like that's what... I'm not sure. Yeah, but it's interesting nonetheless. (laughs) We're kind of talking about interchanging stuff, right? I was picturing in my mind, what if the main character just sees something from afar happening that has nothing to do with them? And if they're not touched, if they don't get emotional about it in any way, Mm. anger or sadness or confusion or whatever, then I guess it's not a foil, right? Because it's, it's sort of supposed to be opposing. Or at least triggering something, anything. So that does mean that all the foil situations that we're talking about are not standalone things, right? They're always embedded in the arc of the main character or in the character that it's that it's about. Right. And I think it gets interesting when we're talking about different foils for different characters. Usually you have a main character in a story, but not all the time. Sometimes you have two or three or four or like a whole band of people, as you were saying. And sometimes one person can be the foil for someone else and be the best friend of character C Mm -hmm. and never oppose in character C. Or they can trigger different things in different people. And that's where it gets complex and interesting, too. 
And also on, on what you touched upon, if something is happening and the character does not have a strong reaction to it, that's also a, an op- opportunity for foil where it's like, oh, their stoicism in this moment or their lack mm. of reaction speaks yeah. of the character, speaks of their direction. Yeah, I guess that's true. Yeah. Do you specifically think of foils as a term or as a sort of concept when world building or when creating characters or, you know, yes, conflict in a story? Yeah, you do? <laughs> all, all the time. Really? Wow. I like designing characters in direct contrast to people who are already in the party. Uh, that I nice. like hearing other people's characters first and being like, okay, who can stand as far opposite to them as possible? Oh, right. Okay. Because especially in like uh, D&D is one of those games that mostly focuses on combat. So you don't really have to working as a team and all that. But when it comes to role play moments, there is nothing to me funnier than forcing (laughs) a character to feel so strongly about something. Mm. And and often it's like, uh, just for an example, we (laughs) he's going to get an unlikely shout out Um, when playing with DeForest, our friend DeForest. Oh, yeah. He's very much a, quite usually, uh, a straight-laced, responsible character. Mm. Um, he, he usually knows the right thing to do, the right thing to say, how to handle people. He makes the right decisions, yeah. So Unlike it is, us. <laughs> it is the funniest thing in the world to me to make the absolute wrong decision <laughs> and see how they attempt to either clean up after what I do or just leave me to my devices and let the chaos fall, let the, mm-hmm. let the dice fall yep. where they do. <laughs> But yeah, I think one of the best things to do at a table is to look at what another character feels about strongly, one of their strongest ideals, right? And then to make a character that actively questions it, Hmm. because you're telling me that this character of yours is passionate about this thing. For me, what that says to me is, I got to make you prove it. You know, you feel so strongly about this. Fine. I'm going to press you on it. Why, why, (laughs) Why do you feel this strongly about it? And it forces, not not forces, but invites them to speak more of their character, to highlight things about their character that are unique. Once you get a character talking about what they truly believe in, maybe you pull a little bit from their backstory. Maybe you learn about where they came from, why they do certain things, and that makes the character feel more whole. So whenever there's a break between combats or, or very stressful dungeons, I'll usually try to look for a character that hasn't talked in a little bit. And I'll be like, hey, I noticed you did this. I don't like that. Why, why did you do that? Uh, you know, I'm not the biggest fan of that. Explain thyself. Yeah, con- convince me that that's something worth doing or, or worth saying. Or right. why, why did you talk to this person this way? That's a strange thing to do. Like, I'll very explicitly, like, antagonize them because that's the most fun <laughs> way to do it. And I don't really care if my character looks dumb in the process. Um, <laughs> playing low charisma or low wisdom characters is the best way for me to seem dumb walking into a conversation when behind the screen... It's just a way to invite your character to start talking. I mean, that's great. However, it also makes me instantly more curious about what your characters look like in a void, how their internal stuff's going on. (laughs) I mean, that's also about foils, right? They're always sort (laughs) of in relation to something else or to someone else. It's an interesting question as the main author then of something, right? If you Mm. just write a book by yourself, where is your main focus and who's the start of the comparison, basically? Do we start with a character that's super angry and needs to relax more and then we make a second character that's the chillest in the world? (laughs) Or do you do it the other way where the Zen person has to learn to, I guess, embrace conflict or at least, you know, Mm. do it every once in a while? What does the difference in focus in terms of how you set up a foil mean to the conflict or to the foil? 
Because that kind of determines where you start and where you come from or, or what you create in relation to it, right? I mean, that comes down to the author, right? It comes down to what they find more interesting. It, whatever story they're looking to bring out, so to speak. What, what is a story if not somebody being challenged? You know, what is, what is a story if not someone having to go through conflict and address contrast? Even if it's just a solo character, the foil would be the world. The foil would be the, the world telling the character mm. what you believe is not true, what you hope for is not real. I like that. Yeah, that's cool. Like, prove that your, your ideals mean something. Or change as a character. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's the art of bringing to light contrast and really making sure that that hmm. leads to a good story. I, it, it really depends on you, right? Yeah, I like that phrasing. That's great. Yeah. The most important thing to whoever's writing it. And that's it. That's all I got. I mean, dang. Yeah, I love it. That's very well said, I think. I like how we kind of end up at the core of this, right? Where it's just where storytelling is just about contrast and conflict. And that's basically what this whole topic is secretly about anyway. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's great. Yeah, absolutely. And it's if you if you want to hear more, we literally have at least three episodes on very similar topics to this. For sure. Yeah. The villains and Lancers would be my original. This is coming back in all sorts of stuff. Yeah. Amazing. I love it. Okay. Uh, and with that, uh, we're going to jump to our prompt. Okay. Here's what I got for you. Again, this is the prompt section. Today, I'm going to toss out a prompt. Mela's going to answer it. She has not heard this prompt yet. So it'll be entirely improvised. And this is going to be pretty darn simple. Okay. Okay. And when I say simple, it's that means as complicated as you'd like it to be. <laughs> okay, yeah. <laughs> um, describe for me a villain whose foil is another villain. Oh, oh, okay. Which, which I guess implies three characters, right? Well, yeah. Well, I mean, a villain can be the main character. This is true. If you want it to be. The beef can be the main character. <laughs> <laughs> the beef. Hmm. I mean, okay, um, let me think. This could be anything. What vibes am I am I going to do here? Yeah, what are you in the mood for? Okay, I like this to be a little bit complex because I think it, it needs it for the, the ethics to work out here. I would say there's a rather big city somewhere quite remote in terms of the area. There's a beautiful, lush, you know, vegetation around. It's a very unique climate, very rare species as well. There's a bunch of people that are just living here just for research purposes. And it's doing pretty well. Like it started out as a small village under the leadership of, give me a good leader, leader name. Um, dr dr <laughs> just going to pull. Commodore's uh, something. Uh, Drumgool. Drumgool <laughs> under the leadership of com this Commodore. <laughs> I'm already, <laughs> this is a hard name, man. <laughs> Drum ghoul? That's a lot of... Uh, okay. Let's, let's switch. Let's make it no. like a Murdoch or something. Make a Murdoch. How's that? Murdoch? Okay. Cool, cool. Sure. Under the very successful blood, sweat, and tears leadership of Commodore Murdoch, this city research center has been thriving. This Commodore came from far. A lot of their work was convincing other people that this place was worth it that they were supposed to be building stuff here, that they were supposed to develop and research this area because of its unique properties, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And that took years of hard work, of you know, hiring people, of trying to get everything there for development and for growth. And eventually, after many years, it did succeed. It starts subtle, but at some point, we kind of see a camera zoom in on one of their end of the day tables full of sketches, paperwork. Uh, there's a bunch of like interesting looking photographs on one side. 
And we see them looking into a microscope and seeing a strange sort of black something moving under their lens. And Mm. they look a bit like startled and confused about what this is. And as we overhear him talking with their colleague, would you mind looking at this for a second? Because I don't think, I thought it was supposed to be like lifeless. It seems to grow and die quicker than usually. It's almost, Mm. yeah, it's almost like a virus of sorts. It's very unclear. Before we know it, some time passes and we really see the research facility having a emergency meeting because somehow something has been Mm. discovered that was not supposed to be there. This is a sort of liquid, a sort of creature. It's very unclear as well, which is scary for people (laughs) that usually like, like understanding things. The news reaches the Commodore's ears as well. In the research document that has been handed to him, he sees and notices that the creatures that this is living in or that this is existing in are one of the most extinct in the area. Mm. If he wants to contain this, which is basically what has to happen at some point because it looks like it's growing or spreading very quickly without them knowing what it is, this might have a super (laughs) intense effect on the people in the city. (laughs) Of course, yeah. Um, (laughs) I'm not really sure where I'm going. Okay, I would say, I would say. This is going to be super intense. Yeah, I'm like, how long have I been talking? I'm going to say we're time skipping a little bit here. I think I'm just going to describe this as if it's like the back of a book. (laughs) (laughs) This is like the the shitty summary of the actual interesting story. (laughs) Fantastic. Eventually, this conflict grows stronger and stronger. All sorts of people have opinions on this, both people from the research facility, like nature activists, anything related. We keep seeing sort of shots or little scenes of this black matter or mass growing and spreading and combining things together. One little bunny in in a forest nearby, we see it lose color and become Mm. a black mass itself. Another tree losing a lot of sap from it or water from the leaves that starts trickling. And this sort of starts growing into an ever-growing creature or organism that's slowly sort of accumulating on the edge of the forest. I guess the final scene before either a big battle or something else where the (laughs) Commodore has to decide... Am I antagonizing this? Am I trying to kill this no matter what? Or am I trying to understand it? We realize that (laughs) this storyline is basically about... I'm here for it. I'm here for it. I'm here for it. (laughs) This is a really big back cover. This is the worst I've ever done. Oh my God. (laughs) I was trying to go for like the sort of Mononoke vibe where it's like, okay, on the one hand, this Commodore is like super successful at being good at their job. And on the other hand, if it wants to destroy it, it's basically going to destroy nature and everything that it stands for, which is, you know, understanding research. But you can't do that if you're just going to kill that stuff before it reaches your city, whatever that means. I just love this story to be like a story with many stakes and perspectives. <laughs> I love it. Where no path is the right path. All right. That's kind of what I was going for and it's not happening. So that's why I'm explaining it to you. <laughs> if I had, if I saw this on the back cover of a book and I'm imagining like size six font, just zero margins. Just yeah, you need like a minute to read this. Yeah. Just look this at is it like the one of those book. heavy books that are like trying to be oh, like love become classics and not really becoming one because no one like finishes the first five chapters. <laughs> there's That's some, definitely there's what something this is. No- <laughs> there's something uniquely novel about the back cover. Oh my God. Just explaining the whole plot. <laughs> 
I started out great, but I was I got so lost. It was good. It was so so good. So as we good. said at the I beginning, we're totally scripting everything that we're saying this, this in is, this podcast. This is all planned. Obviously, yes, every second is planned for sure. Oh uh, yeah, sure. yeah. This is what is this the the forty something mark? Yeah, I think <laughs> right around here. Um, it says Marilla breaks down and doesn't yeah. <laughs> I mean, sometimes sometimes you just don't end up where you want to end up, and it gets complicated as you keep talking. Oh gosh. And it happens a day. And that's storytelling. And that's storytelling. Well, yep. thank you so much for that. <laughs> thank you so much for that. Um, listen, if you enjoy prompts like these, if you truly do. Um, we usually listen- do better, really. Like <laughs> tune in for the next one where we actually make like a cool thing. It's no, no, we can't all have home runs. We can't, we can't have nope. home runs every single episode. It's true. Sometimes we bump, sometimes we walk. You know, the concept was there. The execution was. Oh, yeah. Questionable. I love the vision. I love the vision. Thanks. Well, thank you. Thank you very much. <laughs> thank you for tuning in. Again, if there's any topic that you're interested in, you don't have to watch any of our episodes in sequence, sequential order. Uh, it's truly just pick whatever you want to watch and watch. Uh, mm-hmm. Pick whatever you want to listen to and listen to it. And we'll be here next week with another episode, another topic, another prompt. Um, look forward yeah. to episode 55 where it's nothing but fan prompts. We're going to take prompts from you guys. Very exciting. Yes. And answer them. It's going to be a blast. And as you do that, as you step into this world of imagination, as you think to yourself, how would I have handled that prompt? Better, probably. Yes. <laughs> um, by all means, please think about such things. But as you do, always remember this one core foundational concept that we will eventually touch upon in a future episode. Which is? Your rivers are wrong. Oh, that's what it was. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. We got to cover that eventually, right? Yeah, we'll do it. We'll definitely do it. Just not today. <laughs> not today. My creative juices are done. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we'll just refill on those real quick. We'll go grab some creative juices. I think I got some in the other room. I can grab. I'll give you. Oh, great. I'll pass you yeah. some. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll pass it through awesome. our tin can and wire. I'll just pour it in. Amazing. Amazing. Yeah. That's cool, definitely cool. how it works. Anyway. All right. Goodbye, guys. <laughs> See ya. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to this episode of Your Rivers Are Wrong. If you have any thoughts for topics, prompts, or if you just want to share your thoughts, you can reach us at yourriversarewrong at gmail.com. That's yourriversarewrong at gmail.com. Big thank you goes to Martin Skelligans for our intro and outro music. And most importantly, thank you for listening. We hope to catch you at our next episode. Have a good one.